of the Living Geek. I'm your host, Kenneth. I'm Kurt. And we are Retrofecta. Okay, welcome back. We are here to talk about Link's Awakening, our last entry in the Game Boy, even though we were playing it on Game Boy Color, which made it a lot nicer. Uh, I'm your host, Kenneth, and with me, as always, is other host, Kurt. Hello. And let's talk some more Zelda. More Zelda. Like it, it, this one, I've, I've enjoyed a lot. Dude, I think yeah. Because it's very much a continuation of A Link to the Past. It it really feels like they kind of hit their stride, and we're like, you know what? Let's do more of that. That worked for us. Yeah. Which makes sense, since this uh, definitely started out after hours being developed by uh, a staff at Nintendo as just a Link to the Past port. And then I guess it got good enough that they were like, hey, you know, we could tweak some stuff, make a weird uh, flying whale, and whole new game, boom. It's funny, because it being a port, it didn't feel like they recycled a lot of the, even, like, game. Like, there wasn't that, like, dual world thing like there was in Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. It seemed, like, much more straightforward. Like, there are eight, these are, you know, checklists of things to find. Wander around the map to find them. Mm-hmm. And even though it was uh, a thing... Wow. Interesting. Uh-huh. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're going to try that again. Even though it was definitely started as a port of a Super Nintendo game, they still managed to cram a lot of content into a Game Boy cartridge. It's pretty crazy. You look at, especially, I mean, between Mario Land 1 and 2, there was a noticeable difference. But between Mario Land and then this game, just the amount that they were able to get into, like, 8 megabytes of space is pretty bonkers. And then also getting cleaned up and having a bit of color really predisposed me toward it. Yeah, I'm really glad we played this version as opposed to the original version on Game Boy because I watched a couple speedruns of it on the Game Boy one. And I know it's just color, but it really does give the world more pop. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe it, just spoiled, but... Yeah. Like the enemies being different colors was neat. Mm-hmm. The fact that in the, the remake, now he has the special two different tunics that just show different colors. That was mm-hmm. a nice little, like, little bonus. Yeah. They added in... I don't know if you did it at all, but the whole... Uh, picture taking that you can do yeah that was that was frankly quite silly but i remember when that came out and it was very exciting oh it's true it it was it was the cat's pajamas at that point it's like oh one of three games that supports the the game boy color printer and not even like explicitly like you can do it you can it'll show you the picture but you only have to print it out yeah but like if you were one of the weird kids who paid like 100 bucks for that little camera attachment yeah good news you could print out little like what like like three inch Two inch by two inch, they were not very big. I remember it not being like it wasn't a big printer. No, it was it was very small and very low res. Yeah, it was like the size of the the 3ds, and it was eight bit and maybe a hundred by a hundred. Yeah, and now my roommate has a really nice, very reasonably priced like selfie printer that just connects via Bluetooth and yeah, it's it, kind of magical. Yeah, it's like four hundred DPI or something ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's creepy how far technology has come along. So um, I guess let's jump back to the beginning here. This came out not too long after Link to the Past, actually. Uh, June of 1993 in Japan, and then quickly after August in North America, and uh, November in EU. So for once, they didn't get boned too hard. Yeah, they're, they're, their time frames are getting closer and closer. Yeah. I think they're at this point, and actually this is something we should probably look up to see if we can find what staffing levels would be like, but maybe they're really hitting the point where it's, oh, these are big, noticeable markets, so we're going to start doing a lot more co-development instead of, okay, we release the the Japan version, and then now, after the fact, we'll start redoing stuff for localization. Yeah, it seems like maybe they just learn just because there was more of a market for it. It's because localization doesn't necessarily take a lot of 
uh, development time. It's just finding out words that make sense. Yeah. So instead of putting it on the back burner, they run away. Like, this is all the dialogue we need. Like, just make it for everywhere. Yeah, get get going. I'm curious how much localization difference. Maybe we've talked about this before. Between um, Europe and the U.S. Because I, I can't imagine they... Yeah, I do don't know. Maybe changing colloquialisms or, like... Yeah, I'd assume structure just... Structure sentence, sentence structure? Yeah. Maybe, maybe some jokes that, that yeah. would, you know, not yeah. make sense to one or the other. Um yeah, had a had a very solid release. Sold four million copies on the Game Boy, and then another two million on Game Boy Color. Shocking. So, pretty pretty good numbers. Not you know not linked to the past level, but also it wasn't getting a, a direct attachment onto the system at one point. So, you know. Yeah, and I think know. yeah, I think if you're, I think the people who really like Zelda, New Zelda, probably I'm I'm sure they bought both. But mm-hmm. if you sort of came in in the middle of them, if you had a Super Nintendo, you probably got Link's Awakening. I mean, Link, to the, Link to the Past. If you had a Game Boy or a Game Boy Color, you probably got Link's Awakening. Yeah. As like a normal consumer. Because I remember uh, I was seven when this came out. Eight. And I think I only had one or the other. And so I, I think I only played this one because I remember the, the opening sequence with the, the shipwreck thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually remember playing Link to the Past uh, anywhere near then. I think I played it, you know, 10 years later maybe. Yeah. It seemed like... Especially at that point. And, you know, it, it's probably kind of skewed perspective now as an adult with no kids. I can just kind of buy what I want. But everyone I knew growing up, you you either had, you know, a Sega or a Game Gear, a Super Nintendo or a Game Boy. Like, you didn't really get both of them. Yeah, definitely. And so I I kind of lucked out in that my cousins had a, had a Game Boy so I could play it on there. And then my best friend had a Super Nintendo, so I'm, you know, depending whose house I was crashing at, I could I could play one or the other. Yeah, it wasn't quite the. Um, I think even now kids usually have both. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quite the um, the norm back then because I remember I had um, uh, Nintendo stuff, and a friend of mine had a computer. Same kind of thing. If I wanted to play a computer game, I had to go to his house. Yeah. If we wanted to play Sega games, we just didn't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's and I, I bet a lot of that also though is you know I don't want to say technology has gotten directly cheaper. But then console, well, I guess indirectly it has. Yeah, Consoles it, were three hundred dollars back then; they're three hundred dollars now. But three hundred dollars, you know, that yeah, was but, a lot more back then. Yeah, it doesn't really account for inflation in that case because they're both about the same price. Mm-hmm. They're but you get and you get just the one console. Yeah, which is why I, I don't know when people complain about video game prices. I'm like, you know, they've been yeah, sixty pretty, bucks for like thirty years now. That's pretty solid. That's not bad. Because I mean, yeah, like over thirty years, they've gone from like thirty bucks to sixty. That's much less than inflation. Well, and I was looking even in a lot of Super Nintendo games, like all all the big ones released at fifty to sixty dollars. So, oh damn, I remember that. Yeah, so I mean, I guess that makes sense though. Yeah, so we're we're what a time to be alive. <laughs> we're living in a magical age. Everything costs more except video games. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, airplane flights. Those have stayed pretty low. It's true, which is which is cool. So, yeah, I guess uh noticeable firsts for this noticeable notable firsts wow i mean some things i'm sure i didn't notice maybe they are noticeable (laughs) it could be yeah uh one they shoved a crap ton of mario stuff in here yeah that was i couldn't tell if i if i liked that or if i was annoyed by it it like the first time it was kind of cute i I think it hit like a weird um inverse bell curve where the first time it was kind of (laughs) cool and then it happened like two or three times like all right what what are you doing but then they just kept adding more and And you're like okay yeah this this is my life now (laughs) also they, they adapted the 2d side scroller into a 2d overworld really well yeah like thinking about it they use the same engine because the way he navigates 
the 2D world looks exactly the same as 3D. Mm-hmm. They just sort of shift the perspective. Yeah, which is so, a, okay. Now you're looking trick. at the top of him. Yeah, it's like it's the top. No, now it's the side. Yeah. <laughs> but then when he climbs ladders, it's like, oh, okay, there's the 2D thing. But yeah. then he goes flat again. You're like, oh, yeah, it's the same animation. He's just now gravity is different. Yeah, I dig it. What, um, what else? Uh, first Zelda game to not be set in Hyrule. And I guess a decent round, actually. Like, Wind Waker wasn't... Okay, no, never mind. There's been a lot of Zelda games that weren't set in Hyrule. But the first one. Yeah, yeah. So this, this broke the mold. Um, actually, first one, and th- this one I even noticed before looking it up. I was very proud of myself. Uh, first one to have unique music for each dungeon, which I feel really helps set the tone for each of them. Yeah, I think it's part of their, their ability with uh, even the Super Mario games to theme things differently. Because you're no longer playing you know, a simple you know, arcade game. You're actually expected to play a bunch of different levels. And if you give, even when they added colors, it sort of adds to the different flavors of each one. The different uh, the swamp is slightly different than the forest, which is different than the desert, which is different than just the normal yeah. area. So the, the the music thing, I think, is just another extension of that. Mm-hmm. Sort of more to get the user involved, but... Kind of just invested in the world, yeah. maybe? Yeah. And also, I think it, we're really seeing, starting with uh, Link to the Past, and then especially with this one, just kind of the evolution of music in Zelda in general. You've, you've got the theme stuff... Ocarina comes back, and this one you actually have multiple songs that you can learn and play, and each with different effects. And I, I think that probably really, really hit its stride in Ocarina of Time. But yeah. Like the, this was kind of the precursor to that. But I wonder if having more, maybe they have just more time, more development people. Someone was thinking, hey, we have we have music, we can customize this like we can. Mm-hmm. The the colors and the different worlds. How can we make that part of the game more? Mm-hmm. And so now it's like, oh, now you have an ocarina you can play, but what does it do? Oh, you can play, like we did in this one, different songs have different effects. And now instead of just hitting a button to play it, since we have the weird-ass C buttons, on the N64, you can literally, like, sort of play the notes. Mm-hmm. Just, a, a, just another way to get the, car- the the player immersed in the world. It'd be interesting to see what the total dev count was per game because i you know i have to imagine it's just every release it's going up a bit more yeah so i mean it must have more uh, exactly as you say resources to throw at the kind of how do we expand upon what we've already built like especially if, if they know they have a an ip that's going well i'm sure whoever's in charge whatever his name was uh miyamoto yeah be like you know here's you know two guys for this game to do music Oh, that works really well. I like how that works. We can do, do theming stuff. Here's four. Mm-hmm. Oh, and now we want to get the player involved. Here's eight. I yeah. mean, it just seems like a natural progression of, honestly, just uh, development of any kind. That would make sense, yeah. But they use it well. Oh, yeah, they do. I, I like it a lot. What else was first? Uh, fishing showed up. That's yeah. pretty exciting. Do you like me some fishing? Uh, and advice animals showed up and <laughs> oh, annoyed yeah. the crap out of me. Yeah. Do they do as much trading in other games, too? You know, a couple, I feel that has really been a thing mostly on the, the Game Boy games, because I, I feel like in um, Minish Cap and the Oracle games, I, I had to do a fair amount of trading also. But this one, man, like, they, they were all in on it, and it was pretty great. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't necessary to do the trading, but they didn't make you really go out of your way to engage in the trading. Like, they give you, the first couple, they're like, oh, here's the thing, then I need this. Because I think when I first did it, I think I skipped the first four or five trades. Mm-hmm. I sort of went into places and I knew like the um, the Bow Wow, the Chomper from Mario, like wanted um, a decoration of some sort. Yeah. Um, one of the dudes wanted uh, the alligator for the bananas. Wanted dog food. I didn't really put it all together until um, the monkey wanted bananas to build the bridge. Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, let me. Yeah, and I, and I was like, I remember things. one dude wanted how one dude had bananas, and then um, the 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 Bow Wow like wanted a 
special pretty accessory or something. Mm -hmm. So that's when I sort of went back and then that's the only time I really had to go back and backtrack to find those things. Otherwise, as I was exploring stuff, kind of wandering vaguely in the general direction of where I thought I should go, it was like the guy who needed a stick. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> cool. It's like, hey, look at this beehive. I'm a poke it. Yeah, it was a terrible idea, guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, mine was basically exactly the same experience. I, I hit the monkey and was like, oh, crud, yeah, that thing. Backtrack through all of those and then just kind of organically stayed up with it after that. Yeah, because like, I could have skipped it, but at the same time, it was... It was kind of neat to see like where it was going. Yeah, yeah. Plus the boomerang. Oh yeah, I man, I love the boomerang. I missed I missed the boomerang from the beginning of the game. Like it's just nice to throw at people. Yeah, and it's such a stock thing that you normally get like right off the bat. Here's your first item is the boomerang, and that I mean that was a cultural shock in uh, Breath of the Wild. Also, I really get that. I'm like, oh, oh like, man, okay. but boomerang, boomerang, but bangerang. <laughs> okay, Rufio. <laughs> so, I guess let's uh, get down to the nitty gritty. What did you think of this game? I think it continuing, uh, like I said before, of uh, Link to the Past, it found it a lot more engaging. And actually, I, I found I liked wandering around and exploring things. If for no other reason than either when I, when I didn't know what to do, the owl showed up to yell at me. Yeah. <laughs> or every now and then you'd get sort of weird cryptic just words when you come out of a dungeon. Or even just the telephone for the old man, Ooh, Ooh, yeah, whatever. Ooh. I, don't, I don't know how his name spelled. I always spelled, want to but... call him Ulrich, but that seems way too yeah, liking. <laughs> a little bit. But it was just nice to sort of have some kind of direction. And that really helps me stay entertained with it because then I'm not wandering around trying to poke every wall and see if mm -hmm. it makes a ding noise. It's actually like, oh, like you need to go southwest. You need to go to the village. And it's either give you a name of something or a direction. Yeah. So actually, I really like just wandering around and playing and attacking things. Yeah, it's just really tight controls on this. Like they, you know, basically just pulled over combat directly from Link's Awakening. And like it's very dialed in. Yeah, because it worked. Which I think, I think just by playing it, I must have gotten better. Because I remember being annoyed that having to attack things, I had to push the direction they were in first. Mm -hmm. I think they sort of shifted the game so that that wasn't, that wasn't as much of a problem this time. Like, if there was something I needed to kill and it was to the right of me, I didn't have to go out of my way to turn to the right. That was sort of naturally how I was already moving through the world. Mm -hmm. Which I don't know if it was world design or me just sort of being better at it. But it, it, I don't remember swinging the wrong direction nearly as much. Interesting. You know, I'm going to give you benefit of the doubt and say it was both. Good design, but also you're becoming a badass. Oh, yeah, it must be it. Yeah. Um, what else would I like? I really enjoyed, actually, uh, getting the rock feather, and I don't know. It's just something about... Uh, Auto-jumping is not my favorite, and that usually is Zelda's jam, and I really like being able to actually control jumping. And it only really shows up in this and a couple of the other Game Boy games and then Breath of the Wild, and it's... I, I don't know. It lets you get a bit more interesting puzzles going on, I feel. Yeah, because it adds, like, a, a third dimension of verticality to it. Mm -hmm. Even, like, sometimes you can, like, instead of attacking enemies, you can jump over them. Yeah. And in some cases, which I thought was good game design, like, when you fight um, one of the early ones with the bowl, if they seemed, like, when you had to ju jump over or avoid his attack, they were able to use the thing that they just gave you to promote you to use it more often. Because mm -hmm. once I got the, the, the feather, I was just jumping everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I basically like, left that equipped until I got the Pegasus boots. Yeah. I was like, this is my jam. And then you get both of those, and then, I know, then sudden, yeah. hey, you can jump these crazy long things. And kind of slightly turn mid-jump, but that was... Yeah. That's video games. Makes sense. Physics. Eh. Um, I'd say my biggest... Well, two biggest complaints with this. Text pops up way too often. Oh, yeah. And it scrolls so slowly. Yeah. And man, like, okay, cool. I gotta, like, I hit a point where I would just avoid the stupid uh, pieces of power and, you know, spiffy acorn things because it's just a hassle and I've yeah. got stuff to do. I, you know, I've got to destroy this island with my brain. I'm curious why they didn't, because there's no real, 
because usually when in games when there's text, they give you an option of if not flat out skipping it, speed reading it. Yeah. And this one, it came at the same speed and it paused every couple lines, but you still had to hit A and then wait for the same speed to roll by. Yeah, it was real frustrating. And then they extended that to you know any of the bricks you run into out yeah. in the world. Oh, this looks really heavy. It looks motherfucker. Super I've had heavy. the power bracelet for ever. Just don't talk to me. Yeah, I wonder if there's some light of code that got cut because maybe it didn't fit in the 8 megs or whatever. But, like, if you have the power bracelet equipped, don't remind me about things that are heavy. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I I guess I do have to, I guess, give them benefit of the doubt that maybe they weren't going out of their way to be annoying. But it it really frustrated me. About, about like, the third dungeon in, I just hit this block of, oh, my God, this game is pissing me off. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like, every time you turn somewhere, it's, oh, this looks really heavy. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> or, oh, you got a thing. Read about it. Oh, here's a sign you've already read before. Yeah. But then I think I just got Stockholm Syndrome. I got used to it because eh, it was fine by the end. Yeah, I think it, yeah, I think it just it stops being annoying because it happens so much. It's like that weird inverse bell curve. Like it's really annoying, or I guess it would be a normal bell curve. It's fine at first. It's really annoying, and then it's fine again. Yeah, <laughs> checks out. Hmm. Yeah, talked about jumping. I do love that. Ooh, I really liked. Uh, so in Dungeon Four, uh, was it Angler's? cave or angler's cavern yeah the tunnel or something <laughs> there there's definitely a point in there that you can break the game and not progress any further and i remember doing that growing up and happily i could still do that now and also happily there's now save state so i could just roll it back afterward but there's this one part where um there's deep water and then a little floor area with a switch and a door above that and you're not supposed to be able to get to it until you get the flippers but with very careful aim you can uh pegasus boot rock feather over to it use up your last key to get through this thing and then not have a key to go to the area to get the flippers and you're like well now i'm stuck crap i just drowned if i try anything so felt very accomplished doing that didn't notice that i I saw there was a dark water and i just assumed i would drown oh yeah yeah i mean you're definitely not supposed to be able to and i remember especially as a kid like it annoying me that i couldn't make the jump so i probably spent a good 30 minutes working on it and then got across it and was like oh Oh, now I have to restart the game. Whoops. That's annoying. <laughs> yeah, the emulator save thing saves a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it saves a lot of my stupidity stuffs. Um, Another cool thing, like, it seemed like all of the dungeons, their maps kind of drew a picture of what they were, except for Eagle's Tower, which wasn't really anything. I was like, what? Why, why would you do seven out of the eight dungeons as like, oh, you know, Turtle turtle Cave, It's it, the map makes it look like a turtle. Mm-hmm. Angler's thing, it looks kind of like a fish. And Eagle's Tower is just eh, doing its own thing. Very strange. <laughs> I wonder if someone snuck that in. Good. And they're like, I don't know, Eagle's Tower, I, I don't have enough spots to do a bird. It's too far apart. None of the, none of the doors yeah. make sense. No one will really <laughs> notice anyway. Could be it. Hmm. What else? I like the key blocks. I don't know. For some reason, like, they just really amused me and they didn't really show up in other zelda games and like it's such a simple gating solution to have within the middle of a screen instead of having to rely fully on doors yeah external doors so i found those really annoying because i didn't i guess i didn't notice they were keys at first oh i just thought triangular thing and i was like oh that's dumb whatever that's fair and i think i i'm sure i must have run one through run through one on accident or something yeah just walking by i was like like, oh yeah okay i found some of the dungeons i am apparently unobservant because a couple times I, I ran out of keys and I just I didn't know what to do, but it's because I didn't kill everything properly. Yeah, there's a this game I think more than any other Zelda has a lot of keys that come from just murdering rooms. Yeah, you just kill everything. 
So like I think two of the ones I, I, I missed was um, there were five of the, the green blobby things that pop up. Yeah. Like, uh, and, you just, and running out, you sort of run into two or three of them. Yeah. And they don't really give you a reason to run through the rest of the room. And even when there's, they add the thing where there's the tone, if there's a key in the room, that happened in rooms I had already gone through and were empty so often that I kind of just started to ignore it. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. But, you know, yeah. guides, guides and walkthroughs are helpful. Yeah. Yeah. They, they can definitely save your bacon a bit there. Yeah, really. I don't know. I really like the way that, you know, even though they released the game, what, 93, five years later for the DX and the Game Boy Color, or for the Game Boy Color of the DX version, they they added a little more, not just the silly camera thing, but they changed some of the dress uh, to include, um, like, maps of the compass, I think, were different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the owls sort of popped up to give you hints about things. Now they could have color, so color of things matters. I think a couple times they tried to tell me which enemies to kill specifically, which I don't think I would have noticed. yeah. Without uh, some kind of guideline. Yeah, and they added in a whole extra dungeon for it, too, which is kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, which is neat. So, so it, 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 It's a, a, a re-release, remake, done well. Mm-hmm. It sort of highlights the, the benefit of playing on the newer console. Yeah. I think the Game yeah, Boy Color, I'm sure, had better hardware than the original Game Boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it had, well, had yeah I mean, have. Colors has to. That was a nice little touch. Yeah, it was, definitely. And You know, I, I really... Well, I like the entire island, the setting that they went for, and just the overarching story like very out of the norm and you know granted there was only three games to establish it so far but all three of those previously were very much like oh man into the world evil wizard thing and this one's more just hey you're on an island go go kind of poke around yeah it's like you got shipwrecked oh you can leave but you have to wake up this thing over there and to do that you have to collect these things it didn't seem very like end of the world save everybody it was like oh you got to go but the thing doesn't work unless you do the other thing and much more laid back. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as stressful, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Although then it you find out, oh, it was all all the windfish's dream and hey, everyone you met, yeah, you're basically murdering them all. Yeah. Hmm. Whoops. Awkward. It was cool. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I had a good time. Another one of the um Zelda games. Like if you didn't play um Link to the Past, like you could jump into this one and sort of get the overall feel of it. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. Time well spent. Yeah, another one I would just recommend to people, and it's, you know, especially it's like four bucks on the Virtual Console now, which it, in the money to time ratio, it, it comes out. Plus, it, it's I think I'm beginning to enjoy the Zelda games more so than the Mario ones, especially with the way they include sort of the three dimensional aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's I know Mario has, has always been just jumping on platforms, but the, the little bits of story they give you in the Zelda ones make it seem a little bit more. I mean, immersive is a stupid overused word, but you get sort of more into it. Because mm-hmm. before it was a challenge of, oh, I can jump on this thing, I can jump on that thing. Now it's like, oh, but there's different people who are going places, and there's a story to sort of move through, and there's dungeons to navigate. It seems a little bit more involved. Yeah, and even, you know, even granted this is a, a very old, very low-tech game, like, the the world feels kind of lived in, because, like, you early on meet meet this dude who's like, oh, you know, later I'm probably going to go get lost in the mountains. And then you're wandering around there <laughs> and, then he and totally there did. he is. And you're like, well, you're real bad at this, but... Although I, think he, I believe he said he was going to get lost in the forest and instead he got lost in the mountains. That's true. And I was like, bro, this is how lost you are. You don't even know where you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. I didn't really have many dislikes for this. No, it was I mostly mean, all just the text. Yeah, but... Was... <laughs> I wonder if... They just don't expect people to remember things like that, or if they're not used to... I mean, even like kids, I'm sure, forget a lot, and they're trying to remove that frustration factor, mm-hmm. which I guess helped me, because I, I forget things all the time. Yeah. But even that's 
kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah, and it I, I do have to remember, like, within the context of when this came out, like, I, video games were a pretty different beast at that point. Maybe, maybe they just kind of assumed people would only play for, you know, 30 minutes or something and then go go wander off do something else come back a couple days later and be like oh what was i supposed to do with this thing again yeah you may not remember that the power bracelet is the thing you can pick up heavy objects yeah versus you know so often now people just sit down and are like okay yeah this is what i'm doing tonight or you know civilization this is what i'm doing all weekend okay (laughs) this is what i'm doing for a month yeah (laughs) until gandhi you gandhi (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay so uh let's jump into speed runs i reckon Another this, one that this is one of the first ones where I since it had remakes or the the, the original remake between the um, the original release and the DX and how it actually changes things that gives them an opportunity to fix some glitches and some bugs. So I I started to compare the different times between them, which was fun. And yeah, they do keep track of that. Interesting. You know, I didn't even think to look at that. So what um what what were some of the big differences that you saw between those? Uh, time wise, it seems like they cleared up just some world traveling glitches because the the time the 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 any percent run for the original one is a minute 20 because through the little bow wow's side um side doghouse Mm -hmm. if you the same kind of thing where like you wiggle against the wall in the right place you can jump between layers and sort of travel from the doghouse to some of the desert worlds directly into the final battle oh that that makes sense. So it's okay. like glitch a couple ways around things to get the sword and then just go fight the the two bosses. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Whereas the DX one, you have to do have to do a little bit further because you can't wiggle your way through there. It's it's more glitching of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still kept some things. I think which maybe not so much glitching, but part of the speed run is that it's a lot faster to navigate the world if you kind of skip navigating it it's like if you're one of the if you're in one of the extremes and you want to go to the other side of the map mm-hmm. it's a lot faster to just quit and reload so there's actually a special they have different percent finishing categories that specify you can't use warps improperly you can't go out of bounds you can't save and quit you can't use the doghouse glitch which is jumping through things mm-hmm. there's one which i don't remember what it was but um they still they they, they specify things you can't do in order to give it more of how you're navigating the rest of the world. Okay, suddenly the uh, any percent no WW slash OOB makes a lot more sense on this tab. Yeah, I read that and I was like, yeah, you don't want to oov or yeah. oop or sack. <laughs> so it goes from uh, minute 20 or four and a half minutes for just glitching everywhere to about 45 minutes or 52 minutes between the original and, and the DX version. Okay. Which I think is more just certain things you can't do. I think they, they must have switched how... You can um, sort of attack things in glitch places because I noticed a lot of times they'll jump and swing the sword to jump over things they're not supposed to be allowed to. Okay, interesting. But I mean that's you know seven minutes, which isn't too bad. The uh, the hundred percent one is actually dead on each other. They're both about an hour and twenty one minutes. Huh. Okay. So, so it seems like they really didn't end yeah. of the day change. Yeah. So the anything. the overall scope of everything still you still have to go kind of all the same places. Hmm. That's cool. Which I think is a good thing, because a lot of times I think if you do remakes, they'll try and cut some things maybe they thought didn't work out very well or add some things they thought they could have done better. But it seems like they were both pretty satisfied with the overall flow of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know uh, Wind Waker was a big for that. They In the HD remake, they cut out a lot of the later games sailing around. Yeah, because... I remember that that one being annoying, because there was a lot yeah. of the like traveling between places took forever. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's like a, a two-time speed item you can pick up or something, and that sounds real nice. 
So actually, yeah, they are pretty dead on for those. Huh. Right, isn't that neat? They're both right, right around 121, 120, 122. Interestingly, people don't really do the uh, 100% on the just original one, it looks like. There's two people ranked on this versus, you know. Yeah, normal, like, yeah, normal 25 or whatever. People. I wonder if that's just the the original one is, is, maybe it's harder to find an emulator for it, or it's just boring to look at because it's just green and Could white. Could be, and... yeah. Like, oh, if I'm going to play this over and over for a month straight, like, I want some color at least. Yeah, because I mean, I assume most of the players are also maybe they they when they started playing it, they played the DX version first, mm-hmm. and they just have no need to go to the other one. Yeah, could be. And um, once again, showing that these things, well, actually, really, most everything uh, is just within the last couple months being set for these. Yeah, I think the the original one must just be less popular overall. Because if fewer people have done it, all the records are a lot older. Yeah, a lot so of like, multi-year things. Yeah, so like the, the DX one came out, and everybody jumped onto that one. Mm-hmm. I wonder even if the emulator itself is different, so that it's just easier to do video overlays. Because a lot of times when, when people play these things, they play them on Twitch, they can show. Especially with the older games, since they're all in 4.3. Mm-hmm. So it's like the screen that they're playing on, um, a little chat box, a picture of them, maybe some like widgety things that show up depending on if people subscribe or donate or say something yeah, notable. Yeah, yeah donate here to get me to say something really weird about my mother yeah hooray twitch <laughs> thanks twitch because i think even the original um speed run is, is hosted on youtube and not twitch oh weird okay so it's almost like when new people come in they navigate to twitch yeah yeah so yeah that actually that probably feeds it a lot too of people just oh yeah there's a like, lot of oh, what's this weird artifact there's YouTube? i've been Ugh. i've been following um a mario speedrunner who's been doing it for five or six years and he's been on twitch forever that's pretty cool. That, I don't know, seems a fun and very stressful life. I think I would... Yeah, you play video games all day, but you have to play video games all day. Yeah. And you have to play it a lot. <laughs> like, this dude is on constantly. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah, so... speedrunner, still better than us. Yeah, a how, lot how than long us. would you estimate you spent to finish, or at least get as far as you did? Um, Probably four to five hours to finish this, so a lot longer than speedrunners. But then also, yeah, I'm just kind of derping my way around, seeing the sights. Yeah. Doesn't help that I a lot of times will play on lunch at work for you know thirty minutes and then come back a couple of days later and take fifteen minutes going why what was I doing yeah. huh. happened every time I stopped yeah <laughs> which again I'm glad those telephone booths are there yeah seriously that's why man I one of my favorite things that really has become a thing more is especially in RPGs the loading screen will just have a nice little recap of here is what you were doing since that's, that's there's handy. 80 hours of story that you need to try and remember. So And not just that, there's giant maps to navigate too. Yeah, yeah. So seriously. it's like, sure, like here's a story of where you should be going. I hope you remember where it was. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well that's Link's Awakening. It's a, uh, that gets a pretty solid thumbs up for yeah. me. Jolly good time. Yeah, go, go play it. It's worth your time. And next month, what do we have on deck, Kurt? We're going back into the world of Metroid, and I think this is the one that you are very excited I, about. I have the hype. The first iteration of Metroid on the Super Nintendo, after skipping the Nintendo, I think? No, it, it had a both one Did on have, the oh, NES right. and one on the Game Boy. Yeah, Metroid really is one per system up until the GameCube, and then just Prime everywhere. Yeah, so it's been, I think the release on this one is a good eight years after the uh, the original one, or the, the, the Metroid on, on Nintendo. It was oh, eight wow. years before, yeah. and again, if we've seen these iterations between our Super Mario block, they really do learn a lot. Mm-hmm. So I remember not really liking the Metroid ones much, but uh, this one, I, I think I might actually be looking forward to it. I'm I'm pretty 
tentatively excited to see what you think of it because I I have very fond memories of this and uh I'm hoping it holds up as well as I remember it. So should be cool. Yeah, should be. This so. this is also the generation that I really got into it. So a lot of this is a lot more familiar to me. Mm-hmm. I think just more than two buttons helps. Colors helps. A little bit more memory helps. You yeah. can actually do like text prompts and things. So it yeah, should be cool. Just jumping from two buttons to six buttons, like it, it lets the developers really do a lot more with the game too. Yeah, I noticed uh, in um, actually sort of. I guess we should have mentioned this earlier, but with uh, Link to the Past using four buttons versus Link's Awakening using two buttons, I had to switch things a lot. Yeah, that actually is a good point. For four button, I mean, I feel like everything was where I wanted it. Yeah, yeah, Pegasus boots, your power glove, all of that was just natively bound instead of having to... Yeah, now it's like constantly start A, B, start A, start B. Yeah, so actually, yeah, that's that's a very good uh, praise thing. Yeah, I'm, so. yeah, I'm, I'm sure the developers are annoying too because they had the freedom for using you know four buttons and all of a sudden they're mm-hmm. down to two. Yeah, and they're like, oh man, okay, well we can make this work, but we don't like it. So anyway, yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. We will see you next month for Super Metroid, and uh, keep on gaming. Hootie hoo! Are you the owl? Now? Oh, that, God, you're gonna tell no. us, are you going to yeah. tell us what to do next? <laughs> I'm going to show up every 15 minutes in your life and uh, just boss you around. Yeah. It'll be great. <laughs>